Last week we were in Romans chapter 8, we were in verses 12 through 15, this week we're going to be picking up in 15 through 17. I just want to remind you quickly of what we saw in verses 12 through 14. So then brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die, but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And so we looked at that last week and and talked about how we have the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. And so even though those fleshly urges, those things that used to control us and drive us, those passions that, that used to arise within us that we couldn't really control and we didn't know how to fight against, the Holy Spirit is within us and He helps us to fight against those urges. And so now as we look at Romans 8, 15 through 17, it says this, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be also glorified with him. We, we look at this and, and we see that the way it starts in, in verse 15 is, um, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, right? So last week we were talking about we are not indebted to the flesh and now he's, he's uh, using this idea of slavery that would cause us to fall back into fear, that when we have the, the spirit within us, that's not a spirit of slavery, all right? It's not a spirit of, of slavery. And so if you just pause for a moment, right? Because a lot of times as we're reading through this, we go, yes, of course it's not. You did not receive a, a spirit of, of slavery. Yes, I never thought I did. Thank you. Just gloss right over that, move right on. But if we, if we slow down and we think about this and think, what, what would it mean if we did have a spirit of slavery? What would that feel like? Because when we are enslaved to something, we are completely out of our own control. Right? You don't have control anymore. You don't have autonomy. You're not making your own decisions. Something is enslaving you and you are just bound to that thing. That's why there's all this fear. There's no security in that. Somebody else is going to tell you what you must do all the time. Right now. You're stuck. And the thing that we have, have been fighting against is that we have felt like we were enslaved to our flesh. And we talk, uh, talked about this uh, last week in different terms, right? Last week I said, you don't owe your flesh anything, right? You don't, you don't owe your flesh anything. You are not enslaved to your flesh. Though sometimes it feels that way, doesn't it? That something rises up within us, some urge, some passion that, that, that comes up and we go, ah, I, I just, I, I, I have to. I, just, I have to do that. We act as though we are enslaved to the flesh. Though we are not, we have not received spirits of slavery that would draw us back into fear. It, There are lots and lots and lots of different ways that we can feel enslaved to our flesh. The the things that that, uh, come up, they're just those automatic things. 
Those things that, that you go, I, I don't know why I do this. Why do I do this? Silly things like snacking late at night. Why do I do that? You laugh because you don't do that, I can tell. But, but it goes all the way from silly things like snacking late at night that every morning you wake up and you go, okay, today, when it comes to be nighttime, I'm not going to snack. And then it gets to be nighttime and you're like, man, those munchies, they just, I'm a little bit hungry. I, did, I haven't eaten since dinner. And so I, I just, they're there on the counter. Somebody has to eat them. I mean, we're not going to throw away good snacks. And so I'll just eat them. But, but it goes all the way from the silly like that, all the way to uh, whether it's alcohol that is, is driving you, or pornography that is driving you, or gossip, gossip that is driving you. These things that rise up within us that we feel like, I just have to. The, the words that, that, that come out of our mouth that you just... If I had more patience and self-control, those words would not come out. But I don't have control over these particular words at those particular times. It's like we're enslaved to those things. They just pop, pop out. And what he's saying here is he's r- reminding us, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You, you didn't receive a, a spirit of slavery that you would fall back into to that kind of fear that you were enslaved to something. Uh, Titus 3 puts it this way. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. That's not a very nice description, is it? Foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, Passing our days with malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. This is, that's what we were before. Just contentious kinds of people. Self-centered kinds of people. That the passions just rose up within us and we just gave way to those passions, whatever it was that was leading us, wherever it happened to be leading us at that time. That's what we were. But, verse 4 of Titus chapter 3, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. It's, it's not as though we were so good, you know, we were, we were slaves to the flesh, but then we decided, I'm not going to do that anymore. And we were so good and so righteous that we got ourselves free from the slavery. That's not what happened at all. Instead, while we were bound, while we were enslaved to our sin and flesh, God appeared out of His goodness and loving kindness, and He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So that we have been regenerated, renewed, changed from within with the Holy Spirit who is within us. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. 
Titus puts this so well and as he describes the way that we had been enslaved, the way that we had been captured, but now through the work of the Holy Spirit within us, we have been regenerated, set free from that, given a new kind of life, and we now have a different kind of relationship with the world, with our flesh, with God. Everything has changed. No longer are we enslaved to the flesh and to the sin. Now, what does it say back in Romans? But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. You've received the spirit of adoption as sons. No longer are you enslaved to your flesh that you would fall back into the kind of fear that comes with living according to the flesh, right? You all know what that is. When you're doing the sin and then you're living in fear... Fear that you'll be found out. Fear that next time it might be even worse. Fear that you might do damage to someone. Maybe not physical damage, but emotional damage, relational damage. You will ruin it so bad next time because of the sin of your flesh that it will be over. Because this thing has been controlling you. These urges have been rising up again within you. These passions that drive you and you're just living in the state of fear because who knows what might come next and who knows what would happen if they found out. So we hide it and we live in the darkness. And we're living in this place of fear, but we have not been given a spirit of fear but have received instead a spirit of adoption as sons, as children of God. You've received a spirit of adoption. The Holy Spirit, when you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is then given to you the spirit of adoption. That's wonderful. When, when adoption happens, the, the person who is adopted, the child who is adopted, is then given a new name. They are now in a new family. That, that name is like a, a seal for them, a new, pers- a new identity for them. And that's what we receive in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes within us and we now have a new identity. We are now children of God. Yeah, that's awesome. It's really wonderful to be adopted into the family of God because before we were enslaved to sin and living in fear and that's not a good place to be. In my family, there uh, are there's a lot of adoption. My um, grandparents adopted two uh, of their eight children. And I don't even know, we haven't bothered to count and keep track, but of my 42, there, there's 42 of us first cousins on my dad's side, right? Because, because when eight kids have kids, that's a lot of kids. So there's 42 of us first cousins on, on my dad's side, and of those, a great number of them are adopted. And when you see somebody who comes from one uh, lifestyle, one family, one place of fear, and then brought into our family, it was remarkable. 
because we would get together on an annual basis for family reunions, and hey, you have a new cousin. Sweet. Were they adopted or were they born? Adopted. Wonderful. How old are they? And so we would play with these cousins, and they would be our cousins, and they were part of the family because they were now a Tatama. And so they were part of the family. It was a little bit funny, though, to watch them because they didn't always get it. Not the first year. And they're just looking around at all of these people running around. And we're giving them hugs. Because if you remember from a few weeks ago, we're a hugging family. I come from a hugging family. And so we were giving them hugs. And we're playing with them. And we're getting to know them. And by the time they've been a part of the family for a year or two years or three years, suddenly they start to get it and they're, I'm part of the family. And when you see somebody who has come from a difficult background, an insecure background, to now a place of love and affection and security, it's an, a phenomenal thing. The transformation is amazing. Just in their own security and perspective on life. And that's the kind of thing that you and I receive in Jesus. The Holy Spirit who comes within us, the spirit of adoption, so that we are now adopted as children of God. We have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You know, that, that place of security where you have this Father that, that is with you. And I, I was thinking about this uh, because I was thinking about the kinds of things that I've done with my kids. And uh, we like cycling in my family. And so um, we teach them to cycle at a, a young age. Which means um, that for now four children so far, I have been running behind bicycles. Because at some point you have to transition from a bike with more than two wheels to a bike with two wheels. And when that transition happens, dad gets a lot of exercise running behind a bicycle. Holding the back of the seat. Okay, I'm going to let go. And then I, I, I let go. But I'm still right there. And so there's a wobble and then I grab back on. And then I let go, and there's a wobble, and I grab back on. And then I let go, and we can go a little bit further, but my hands are right here the whole time. Right? That, that's a difficult thing to do, by the way. Because the wheel is here, and so you're sort of running around the wheel as the wobble is happening. But you have promised them, I will not let you fall. I will not let you fall. And so the wobble happens, and when the wobble gets too big... The child goes up in the air, and the bike goes, <laughs> and the child sees every single time, I did not fall. There is safety and security in that. I can just, I can just focus on riding because dad's not going to let me fall. I'm just going to focus on riding because dad's not going to let me fall. He's right there. There's safety and security. When we have been adopted as children of God, now the Holy Spirit is within us that is reminding us, you are a child. You are a child. And so this, we have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. And some of you are looking at that going, Abba? Nobody says that. Who says Abba? This is, this is a word of, of great endearment. 
I mean, when, for me, I called my dad, dad. Hi, dad. I love you, dad. My kids, I don't know where they got it from. They call me daddy. I don't know why. I always refer to me as dad. They always refer to me as daddy. That's okay. But that's how they see me. Abba is that kind of a word. That kind of intimacy. That kind of endearment. Daddy. And so, being a father, I get to hear all kinds of wonderful things. Daddy, will you read me a story? Daddy, will you help me tie my shoes? Daddy, will you play a game with me? Daddy, will you wash my hair? Fortunately, I'm out of the... Daddy, will you change my diaper? We've moved just beyond that one. But, but there's, there's, this, there's this intimacy, this closeness that comes from a, a daddy. When was the last time that you referred to your God, your heavenly father, as daddy? Or maybe you have a, a different, um, maybe, maybe it's, it's um, papa in your family. Or maybe it's dad. Or maybe you have have some other term of endearment that you use for your father. What kind of term of endearment do you use for God, your heavenly father? And I have to say that when I'm studying this and I'm reading this, I I, I don't. That just seems really disrespectful. That I would call God Daddy. I. Serve, perhaps. Heavenly Father, I'm okay with. But then I read those children's Bibles, and the children's Bibles say something like Papa or Daddy, and I just get uncomfortable. What kind of a book is this that I'm reading to my children? That has Jesus going, Daddy, Papa. Daddy, Papa? Who wrote this thing? Certainly we have to have more respect for God than that. And then I stop and think about it and look at this. By whom we cry. Not just Jesus. Not just God's own Son. The firstborn referring to him as Abba, Father. But we, because the Holy Spirit is within us, cry out, Abba, Father. We have that kind of intimacy with God. And then I have to realize that the children's Bible's theology is better than mine. Because the children's Bible understands a level of intimacy with God that I am nervous to have. The way that I want to address God as Heavenly Father, God Almighty, is slides closer to the spirit of slavery than that spirit of adoption as sons. I can remember one of my, my cousins was uh, adopted. He was seven years old. And uh, my aunt uh, brought him to a track meet. They'd, he'd been in the family for like two weeks. 
brought him to a, a track meet where my other cousins were, were competing, and she was just sitting in the bleachers with him, holding him on her lap, embracing and kissing in his neck. And he went, is that what mommies do? There is a level of intimacy with a parent and a child that we don't often consider and think about with God, but it is there. Our Abba Father, our Heavenly Daddy, we have the right to call Him that because the Holy Spirit within us reminds us over and over again that we are God's children. It is a mind-boggling change. It is a mind-boggling change to go from seeing God as someone who is to be feared and respected to being intimately close and loving. Ephesians chapter 1 puts it this way. In verse 3 it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace which He has lavished upon us. In all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. In Him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, so that we, who are the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of His glory. In Him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Now, I, I could have chosen just to read those last two verses, verses 13 and 14, but I wanted to give you the whole context about how God so loved us that He chose us before the foundation of the world that He would adopt us and love us and bring us into His family. It's a remarkable thing as a child of adoption, you were chosen to be a part of the family. They don't have to put up with you because you were born in. You were chosen to be brought in as a full child of the family and embraced with no distinction between those natural born and those adopted in. So that now he finishes in, in Ephesians uh, chapter 1 in verses 13 and 14, he finishes this section, In him also, when you heard the word of truth, when you heard the good news of the gospel, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, then, at that point, when you heard it, when you believed it, at that very point you were sealed 
with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. You have been adopted as children of God by whom that with the Holy Spirit within you, you can cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. But that's not all. You know how those infomercials, they have this really astounding thing. You won't believe the kinds of things that this spot remover will take spots out of. It used to spray it on, and in 30 seconds, gone. You don't have to wash it or anything. Just spray, 30 seconds later, it's gone. It's like a wonder thing. But that's not all. If you call right now, we'll give you two bottles. You only need one because it will last forever, but we'll give you two so you can share it with a friend. But that's not all. That's kind of what happens here. You have received the spirit of adoption as children of God, by whom you can cry out, Abba, Father. And that's the most amazing, remarkable thing that I can think of all morning, and that's not all. We haven't stopped there. It just keeps going. The Spirit Himself, verse 16 of Romans chapter 8, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Continually, over and over again, the Holy Spirit within us is reminding us, you are a child of God. You are a child of God. You are a child of God. And so those sins that we struggled with before, the things that would rise up within us and enslave us, the things that we thought that we were indebted to, we are led by the Spirit away from those things and into something else because continually the Holy Spirit is reminding us, you're a child of God. You're not indebted to those things. You're no longer enslaved to those things. You no longer have to do those things. That's not who you are anymore. Now you are a child of God. You get to live differently. The Holy Spirit ministering to us, speaking to us, speaking to our hearts, speaking to our minds as we are continually being transformed into the likeness of Christ with whom we are children of God. And the Holy Spirit is right there. Because otherwise we fall back into old habits. We fall back into old ways. You don't have to do that. You're a child now. You're a a, a child of God. You've been adopted as part of the family. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Hold up, time out. What? Heirs? Not just brought out of slavery and into a family of security and safety, but also inheritance? Get out. Really? But I was adopted. Yeah, it doesn't matter. You've been brought into the family. So if you're a child of God, a true child of God, the Holy Spirit is bearing witness to that, telling you about it, reminding you about it. And if that's the case, that means you're an heir. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. I just want to 
stop for a second and look at that. We get to inherit God the Father. We, we, we get to receive Him. Not only are we His, but He is ours. Isn't that awesome? That's why we get to have this relationship of intimacy with Him. And that's why we get to refer to Him in this informal, intimate nature by calling Him Daddy. Because we have received Him as part of the inheritance. We are now fellow heirs with Christ. Now, I, I just want to uh, read for you from Hebrews chapter 1. Okay? So we're just, we're just going to have this in the back of our minds. That we are fellow heirs with Christ. Heirs of God. And now, Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he spoke to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I shall be a father to him, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved, loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. To which of the angels did he ever say, sit at my right hand until I make, an, make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation? We have been brought into the family of God. And Jesus Christ, now, we are co-heirs with Him. We do not have all of the glory uh, that He has. We have not done all of the things that He has done. We have not earned it in the same way. But nevertheless, we are, as co-heirs with Him, inheriting all things. We are with Him children of God. We are with Him served by the angels. We are with Him in His glory. At this point, it almost feels like what I'm saying is blasphemous. When the way I think of myself is so distant from God. 
the sinful person not worthy of his attention, to now be adopted in as his child, able to cry out to him, Daddy. And not only that, but to be a co-heir with Christ to share in his glory. And I think, oh Lord, I am not worthy. But how awesome is your love for me? The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. And as we look at this, suddenly we go, well, hey, time out. Travis, you made this sound really, really awesome and amazing, but you, you skipped over that suffering piece. I just happened to notice as you just sort of, it looked like you were ending, and then all of a sudden you just slipped in, provided we suffer with him. I, in, in this case... This word provided, I, I feel like it would be better if it said since. Since we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. That is to say that we have not yet fully arrived at the glorified state. We have not yet completely inherited the whole thing. The Holy Spirit is within us and testifies within us that it is coming. We are heirs. We're not that there yet, but that day is coming. So that even now, as we may suffer, it is suffering with Christ. In the anticipation that we will be glorified with Him. We're children of God. We're part of the family. That's not to say that there are never any bumps in, along the road. There are. But in comparison with what's coming, who cares? And in comparison with where we've been, what difference does it make? Because as we suffer with Christ, we know the Holy Spirit is reminding us from within that we are children of God and we will also be glorified with Him. In fact, we've been in Romans chapter 8 for a couple of weeks now, and we will be in Romans chapter 8 for a couple of weeks yet, and we're just about to get to the good part. And this part's been pretty good. But we know that in life there is times of suffering. There are times of hardship. There are times of challenges. And the part that's coming up in Romans chapter 8, I'll let you peek ahead and look at that if you like. You have permission to read ahead. Because there is hope in the midst of suffering. There is comfort there. 
Because since we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him, whether it is in glory or whether it is in suffering, we are children of God and the Holy Spirit is within us reminding us of that and carrying us through. And so I want to encourage you this week that as children of God, you come before Him. You come before Him empowered by the Holy Spirit, recognizing that you have been adopted by Him. You have every right, not because of your work or how good you are, but you have every right because of Jesus and His work and the presence of the Holy Spirit within you to come to God and adoringly love Him. Because He has so loved you that before the foundation of the world, He decided that you were going to be His child. He was going to adopt you. And so we as the children who are sitting on His lap, when He pours out His affection on us, we might look up and go, is that what heavenly fathers do? And I know when I said that of my cousin... Several of you went, oh, I can't believe he wouldn't understand the kind of love that a mother has for her child. I can't believe that he would have never experienced the kind of love that a father has for his child. And as we come and we sit with our Heavenly Father, he's going, I can't believe you haven't known the kind of love and affection I have for you. And so with all boldness, may you cry out this week. Our Heavenly Father, Daddy. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, how great is Your love for us. the power and the majesty, the depths of Your grace are beyond our comprehension. And so also is the intimacy and the affection that You have for us. So, Daddy, we ask, Would you show us that this week? Lord, may the Holy Spirit do the thing that He delights to do in reminding us that we are your children this week. Lord, I pray for those who are here, who have been adopted into the family but have not yet experienced and felt and known the love that you have for them that this week they would know your love in an intimate way. Father, I I ask for those who are here who are not yet a part of the family, that your Spirit would be at work in them, speaking to them, 
that they too may believe that Jesus has come to set them free from sin so that they may be a part of the family of God. And Father, I pray for this group, this gathered congregation, these people who have gathered in your name because they share that name as family. Father, I pray that we would express and exhibit the love that a family has for one another. That there would be no divisions. But that whether through suffering or through glory, we might participate together. Crying together, weeping together, rejoicing together, celebrating together. Because in you, we are united with one another. And we ask for all of these things. Sealed by the presence of the Holy Spirit. And by the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our brother. Amen.